So today we are going to finish up chapter 17, where we left off last time uh, in Breshit in Genesis. So we've been talking about uh, Brit, circumcision, the covenant of circumcision. And we talked about that uh, last week um, uh, extensively, and because that in chapter 17, that is where God introduces to uh, Abraham the sign of the covenant, uh, where uh, Abraham actually interacts with God in the covenant, and uh, a sign on the body that uh, is forever, you know, uh, that God gives to Israel as a sign of his covenant relationship with him. We talked all about that uh, last, uh, last week. And remember what we said, that uh, it is, uh, yes, an outward sign, but we read even in the Torah of, of uh, Brit Milah, of, the, of circumcision, as an inward reality uh, as well, right? Uh, where we read in Deuteronomy about uh, circumcise your heart and stiffen your necks no more. And then we read at the end of Deuteronomy this vision of the future when all the Jewish people from all four corners of the earth are going to return to Eretz Yisrael. And it says, then God will circumcise your heart, right? Uh, and so all Jewish people have the outward sign, right? But only those really who have a covenantal relationship with God and Messiah Yeshua have the inward sign. And all who embrace the Messiah, you know, all, Jew, Gentile, anyone who embraces the Messiah, also has the inward uh, sign uh, of the covenant of circumcision. And remember, remember what we said last week? We read from Colossians, the New Covenant book of Colossians in the second chapter. And there it says that that is by the Spirit that we, are, we have the Brit in our heart. We have the Milah of Lavav, the, the circumcision of the heart. Okay? Uh, by the Spirit, by the Ruach. By the, by the indwelling of the Spirit, we do not have some kind of literal open-heart surgery, right? No, but it is the, it is the promise uh, that we read in the prophets uh, and uh, initiated uh, after Yeshua rose from the dead, right, of the pouring out of the Ruach. And when, then whenever we embrace Yeshua, uh, we have the Spirit of God and we have the the milah of lavav, the circumcision of the heart, right? And, uh, and so that is, so what is the sign then? Uh, how do you see, you know, the, the ruach is invisible. How do you see? How do you know? Well, may I suggest by the fruit of the spirit. The, the fruit of the spirit means what the spirit produces in us. And so the sign of the covenant is what comes out of our heart. And hopefully that is what we read in the Bible, things like love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, you know, kindness, and things like that, as the Scripture says, right? All right, so let's take a look here uh, toward the end of chapter 17, okay? Now, uh, we ended last time at the end of verse 14, okay? So now, uh, verse 15, to the end of the chapter. Okay. Then God said to Abraham, notice he calls him Abraham now. He doesn't call him Abram anymore. It's kind of interesting because, you know, Jacob later gets his name changed and we, sometimes it's Jacob, sometimes it's Israel, 
And it all, it's very hard to understand why sometimes, why, the, you know, why one time Jacob, why one time Israel. But once Abram's name gets the hay in it, and it's elongated to Abraham, God only calls him Abraham after that. So it tells us something that perhaps something has really changed just in maybe the relationship, you know? It's interesting. All right. So verse 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be called, shall, shall be her name. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her, then I will bless her, interesting, I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations, kings and peoples shall come from her. Now that's fascinating. I uh, that she gets equal she gets equal uh, billing with Abraham. That uh, it it doesn't you know it's it's interesting because it says and I will bless her, not just bless you, and she'll provide the child, you know. But I will bless her. Very unusual, very usual for us because we read this a thousand times, but very unusual. In, in that world, I will bless her. And so, you know, Sarah sometimes gets like secondary status. Oh, Sarah, she's, she came up with that harebrained scheme about Hagar. Sarah laughed. Well, we're going to see she's not the only one, okay? Uh, and, uh, and she's the one who sends Hagar away and, and all of that. So she's like, Meh. but that's only us who do that, not in the Bible. We don't read that in the Bible. Sarah is like, you know, the mother of the Jewish people. There's Sarah and there's Golda Meir, right? You know what I'm saying? I, uh, uh, Sarah, what do we say? You know, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. Sarah. Now, her name is interesting. Now, it's interesting that here, what's kind of ironic is, God tells us in the text, we read in the text, that Abraham's name gets changed because he's going to be the father of many nations. But like I said last time, the name Abraham doesn't mean the father of many nations. Okay, it's just a hey is added to his name, but it, but it represents that. He's the father of many nations. Okay? Uh, but Sarah, with Sarah, if she gets a name change, and it doesn't say anything uh, uh, to us about what it may mean. Now, just like Abraham, her name gets changed by a letter, and it's elongated. It's not like a different name, but it's elongated. But what is, I'll just leave it under the heading of interesting observation about Sarah's name, is that when, you know, when Jacob gets his name changed, in uh, Genesis chapter 32, in verse 28, he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So striven with God, you can get, you have striven with Yisrael. Okay? So the word striven has the exact same, when you look it up in a lexicon, it's the same as Sarah. Okay? Isn't that interesting? Sin, resh, hey. That's the root. So it's just kind of interesting that maybe... There's sort of some kind of an intertextual thing going on where her name comes to uh, represent Israel, you know? 
uh, Sarah, Sarael, Yisrael, Yisrael. Uh, so Sarah, kind of interesting. Okay, all right. So her name gets changed. What's also interesting about this, she does not know this yet. God is telling this to Abraham, all right? That's it's kind of interesting to remember. Okay, so if you go back now, let's go back here. So Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and boy, she is going to be the mother of nations, kings, peoples, just like what God says about, to, to Abraham about himself. Then notice what happens. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, uh, bear a child? Uh, and so it's kind of interesting. So obviously people that write on these things uh, notice that he is not chastised for laughing where Sarah gets this mild little mild little rebuke of sorts uh, for laughing. Uh, and so uh, many would say that Abraham is uh, believing this, but it's like so unbelievable he laughs, okay? That it's like stretching his faith, stretching his faith. And so that's, you know, I think that's kind of interesting that uh, it's stretching his, uh, his faith, whereas maybe perhaps to Sarah at that point, it's just ridiculous that, that this could be. But what's interesting here is the, uh, this idea of God stretching Abraham's faith. That, and I've said this before because you see it in almost every of the narratives about Abraham, that God is stretching his faith. God is putting him in places and in situations that challenge his understanding of God, and that it becomes, it's, you know, it's like, wow, I, I, how are you going to do that? You know? So it is interesting because we do see all the way from chapter 12 to chapter, to the end of his life, that Abraham grows in his trust and his faith with God, and he has a variety of, of circumstances and situations that cause him to grow in his faith. And so, you know, in some ways, we're kind of like Abraham in that way, right? Abraham doesn't throw it. Notice Abraham never throws in the towel. He never throws in the towel and says, forget it. It's just too much. Life was much simpler when I was just walking around, uh, you know, in Haran. Uh, but now there's a challenge all the time. And he hasn't even had the biggest one yet, right? And so in our own lives... Have you noticed that over the many years, maybe, that you have known Messiah? That, you know, before you were just sort of like, boom, 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 you know, going through life and experiencing things, and you have good things and bad things, and always, whenever there's a bad thing, there's always somebody else to blame it on, you know. Uh, and, and, and you just keep going, and okay. Then you come to know Messiah, and now suddenly, oh, I got to work on this in my life, I got to work on that in my life. God is challenging me in my walk with him. And, oh, I didn't, uh, oh, I sinned. I fell to that temptation. Now I, now I feel lousy. And, and that's the, that, is the, uh, that is the grieving of the Ruach that brings conviction and that draws us back to God, right? So before I fall to a temptation, we might say, that was terrific, right? Or we might say, oh, well, 
you know, or whatever the case may be. But now we feel, oh, I never even, you know, and I never felt bad about that before. And, you know, I would say that about my life when I came to know Messiah. I, after I came to know Messiah, felt much worse about myself than before, you know? And, uh, but it's, it's an irony. It's a paradox. It's a better word. It's a paradox, right? But what I know is, is that I'm forgiven in Messiah. And what I know is, is that God has empowered me to rise above the circumstances of my life. So in that way, it's like a paradox, see, uh, as, as we walk with, with God. But it is interesting that Abraham has challenges all the way through. And so this is indeed a challenge as well, this promise that he makes. They are way beyond childbearing age, right? I mean, 190, 100 for him, 90 for her. Forget about it, right? Right, okay. Then he says, right after that, uh, he says, um, Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, you know, that can mean one of two things. Either he's not believing the promise, or he's cons- he believes the promise, but what's going to happen to Ishmael? Which, in the context of the whole thing, is much more likely. That he's believing the promise of God, but he loves Ishmael. He is torn. This was very hard for Abraham. It was hard for Abraham to believe and to acknowledge before God what God was doing in his life. Again, I'll say it. I said it in a Jerash a few weeks ago. God never promised an easy life. That is, that is a false... That's taking the sugar pill, folks. Okay? He never promised an easy life. He never promised an easy life. He promised a blessed life. A blessed life does not equal easy. If you're looking for easy, you will never be a content person. Ever. Ever. You have unrealistic expectations of God. God will always disappoint you because you've created him in your own image. But the God of the Bible never disappoints us because he's empowered us to rise above the circumstances that will come into our lives, see? And so, you know, if we were Abraham, we might have walked away with Eliezer of Damascus by, you know, at this point, by, by, you know, going back several chapters ago, or even right there in Egypt, you know, uh, back in chapter 12. But Abraham sticks with it, but he's torn. He loves Ishmael, okay? You know, Abraham... If I may be so bold as to say, perhaps Abraham would have been very satisfied if Ishmael was the child of promise. Good enough for me. But God says, no, no, another child is coming. And this other child will be the child of promise. And so Abraham certainly accepts it. And certainly we see we'll love Isaac. But it is very interesting, this, this bond that Abraham has with Ishmael, okay? So look what God says to him. Interestingly enough, God does not say, oh, Abraham, cut it out already. Oh, Abraham, don't you know what those Ishmaelites are going to turn out to be? Or, Abraham, Abraham, believe me, trust in me. No, look what he says. In verse 19, but God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Yitzchak, which means laugh, and I will establish my covenant with him, for an everlasting covenant, and for his descendants after him, and as for Ishmael. 
I have heard you. Isn't that? I have heard you. Don't pass by any of the words here. I have heard your heart. I hear you, Abraham. First, he says, no, the child of promise is going to come through you and your wife. You and Sarah are going to have a miraculously born son. Interesting how miraculously born children are in the Bible. And it is not some kind of like non-Jewish thing to have a miraculously born child, you know, like Yeshua, right? Okay. You know, if a, if a man who's 100 and a woman who's 90 can have a baby, uh, you can have indeed a virgin birth. Okay. All right. Because God can do anything. All right. All right. So he says here, uh, you know, through Isaac is going to be the covenant, the everlasting covenant, okay? But I have heard you, okay? And so this is what he says about Ishmael. He says, I will bless him and make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. Boy, that's a little different than what we first hear about Ishmael. He's going to be a wild man. He's going to have enemies all over the place, right? So it is interesting, while, you know, that is what God indeed tells Hagar, we see God comforts Abraham and says, it's as if to say, but I am going, I'm going to bless him. He is going to have uh, descendants, princes, children, you know, and so God comforts uh, Abraham and tells him that even though Ishmael is the other, he is not the chosen son, I, by my sovereign decree, bless him. So Ishmael is not the bad one. In the, in the scripture, Ishmael, the birth of Ishmael, he's not the bad one. Yes, we do see the issue with uh, Isaac and Ishmael and all that, you know, uh, what happens and they leave. And, but, but God constantly comes to the rescue of Ishmael. We tend to focus on, oh, Ishmael, what did he do to Isaac, right? But God is always bringing comfort to Hagar, comfort to Ishmael, blessing to Ishmael, as if to say that, yes, Isaac is the chosen, but the other is not cursed. The one who is not chosen has indeed a role to play. And we're seeing it's just the beginnings of that kind of teaching in the scriptures. Very, very important. We, God comforts Abraham. Abraham, loves Ishmael, and God blesses him. One of the other things, and we'll stop right here, but we, we got to get this one little thing in, and that is the reason that Ishmael is blessed is because of his coming from Abraham, his relationship to Abraham. See, even though he's not the child of promise, just like even though he's going to be circumcised, but it's not Brit Milah, it's not the covenant, he's not... When he is circumcised, he's not entering into the covenant of circumcision. He's being circumcised because he's part of Abraham's people, right? Remember, we said that last time. And so, doesn't that just show us that when we come to the new covenant and we have the circumcision of the heart, whether we're Jewish or Gentile, no matter who we are, that because of our relationship through Abraham, right, and hence through the, through the Messiah, through Abraham, that there is blessing on all who believe, right? Children of Abraham by faith. Doesn't make one Jewish, but children of Abraham by faith. 
through the Messiah. So we become, as it were, like Ishmael in his relationship to Abraham. And so very powerful, very powerful message that God gives to him and that God gives indeed to us. And then he says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. So he couches what he says about Ishmael in between what he says about Isaac. Yes, by sovereign decree, by by God's miraculous doing, by supernatural means and desire, it is through Abraham and Sarah that the child of promise will be named. The people of Israel have a supernatural beginning. God called out Abraham, but it is really with the birth of Isaac that you have a child born into this covenant by sovereign decree, see? And so that is why, of course, we say our fathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Very important. And God is making the, he'll make the point again with, uh, with Jacob that this is not some kind of just natural doing. But I am, in a sense, creating a people to be the channel of fellowship to the world. And that is what Israel, that is what the Jewish people are called to be, are called to be. And we can be that in Messiah Yeshua. And so, uh, you know, what a a great way uh, to understand ourselves, especially as we approach Hanukkah. Hanukkah. You know, the victory at Hanukkah was not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You know, uh, we we sing that uh, because it's in the prophet Zechariah. You know, we we talk about that. That's the the Haftorah reading on, on Hanukkah, right? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. That is how the victory came at Hanukkah. That is, that is also, may I suggest, how the victory came uh, in, uh, you know, uh, in the modern state of Israel. Uh, but going way back, that is how the victory came that a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman uh, uh, would have the, the child of promise. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so, let's pray. Lord God, may that be an encouragement in our own lives. Lord May we live our lives not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. And may we see your guiding hand in our lives, even no matter in, in what the situation may be. Lord, we know that Abraham died, as it says in the book of Hebrews, without seeing the city, but he died in faith. And so, Lord, we have a vision for uh, the future of this world. And Lord, thank you that you've given us the Ruach, that we can, we can experience a portion of that today. With the, with the assurance of life forever with you. And Lord, uh, may we continue to grow and be stretched in our faith and believe no matter what our circumstances are and trust you for that future, whether we ultimately see it or in our own lives or not. Lord, and we thank you, God, as we approach Hanukkah or for the great miracle that happened there. Nes Gadol Hayasham, for the great miracle that happened there. And Lord, we thank you for the great miracle that happened with Abraham and Sarah, the great miracle, Lord, that happened with Rebecca and Isaac, and the great miracle that happened with Miriam, the mother of Messiah, Lord, whom you sovereignly uh, uh, decreed would give birth in a supernatural way to the King of Israel, Messiah Yeshua. And we thank you and we pray in his name.